Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. To a Celtic state of mind, I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm sitting in for Declan McConville, who is speaking to Scott Brown. You would rather speak to Scott Brown than speak to James McKenzie in Edinburgh, uh, Lawrence Conley in Rutherglen, and Liam Carrigan in Nagano in Japan. There you go. And of course, I'm sitting here in Dalkeith. We're going to be talking all things Celtic. Let's start off with the Scottish Cup semi final draw. The ties will be played on the 29th or the 30th of April. We, of course, will be live on the evening of the 29th with Big Bad John. John Hartson's joining us at Barra's Art and Design. That could be a good celebratory evening or a prelude to a Scottish Cup semi-final victory. What do you make? I'll come to you first, Liam, of the draw. Pretty happy with that? Well, first of all, I think just make it clear that all tickets are non-refundable in case that result doesn't go according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, but um, no, I'm I'm excited about it. Uh, hopefully, I'll be set up in my new flat with my, my new house, rather with my new internet by then, and uh, I'll be able to watch it. Uh, it's it's lucky. It's very lucky. I did not plan this, but it, I'm going offline for a couple of weeks after today's show, and uh, it's actually perfect that my internet blackout is just perfectly lining up with the international break. So I'm not actually going to miss a Celtic game. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> That's ideal. That is that is absolutely ideal. You're saying you're quite happy with the draw, of course. If yep. uh, if we do get through the semi-final, Liam, we're not counting any chickens here. We will be talking about trebles at some point. Uh, Falkirk versus Inverness, Carly Thistle in the other semi. Um, there's been some chat in the media around how that's a bad thing for Scottish football. Do you subscribe to that? Not at all, I think smaller clubs or perceived smaller clubs getting further in tournaments is uh, is only good for the game. Um, unless, of course, that small club you're talking about is a 12-year-old one from Ibrox, in which case, no, they shouldn't be there. Um, but no, all joking aside, uh, Cali Thistle and Falkirk, two historical um, you know, cup teams that do quite well. And they both got to the latter stages of the cup fairly recently. I think Cali won it. Was it 2015, 2016, something like that? Um, you know, it's uh, it's great to see them back there. And Cali Thistle are a team I've had I've had business dealings with in the past. Very very well run club, um, very friendly club, and uh, I hope they make the final and then we can take six after them in the final. <laughs> And why not? And we will be talking about the the potential for uh, a treble because obviously mm-hmm. I, I feel that we've probably been talking about it on Axon for a few weeks now 
and I always, uh, you know, there's always a wee foot, footnote on that in that we are Celtic fans. We're, we, we don't have to be as cautious um, in press conferences as Alexi Vance, who doesn't want to talk about a treble, and I totally get that. But we can talk about a treble, James, surely? Yeah, it's a massive opportunity for it as well. It's, you've only really got Rangers as far as a tough team to beat, and I don't really subscribe to this. The smaller teams getting further is sort of worse for Scottish football. If you're watching the World Cup and an underdog story happens, like Morocco getting to the semi-finals, does that make the World Cup look worse? No, it doesn't. So I, I don't get how it how it reflects in Scottish football. But it's good to see the smaller teams like getting through. It's a good day out for them, and it only provides a bit more excitement excitement for the tournament as well. And hopefully, an easier team for Celtic in the final, an easier route to a treble. Well, you know, I think the comments that were made, Lawrence, kind of go smack against the, this whole uh, the ram- romance of the Scottish Cup. You know, it's surely the romance of the Scottish Cup. So we teams getting a good run um, in the cup. So I mean, if you if you come up against these sides, they're not going to be underestimated by Ange or any of the players. You know, you just got to hear any press conference that the guys are in, and you know that they're absolutely fine tuned every time they come up against any side. We've heard it before. They approach Real Madrid the same way that they approach any other teams domestically. But as fans, Lawrence, we can talk about it. James is saying they are kind of easier route to a treble. Of course it would be. If you get into that final and you're up against either a championship or a League One side, you're going to fancy your chances and you expect all the all the worrying and all the preparation to be done by the guys wearing the Celtic jerseys. Totally. Listen, we're probably pretty lucky. We can hold two different thoughts at one time. You know, the most important game is the next game. But we can still have our eyes on the treble. And, you know, if a wee team's getting there, as long as it's in merit and there's been no cheating, surely that's what it's about. It's about the merits of your team on the park. And if they're complaining that the other teams aren't good enough, well, you know, should we just let some teams win games? Maybe that happens in Scotland, I don't know. But, you know, wee teams are there in merit. They've won their games in the Cup, they've got the semi-final, one of them's going to be in the final. Mm -hmm. Cracking for them. Brilliant yeah. for, for for those fans. Are, are those clubs getting a day out of hand? And you know, no doubt a week or two running up to that, there'll be a chat about ticket allocations and how many tickets they should get. But yeah, I, I just can't believe people are suggesting it is bad for football. They're there in merit. You know. No, you're right. What else do you want? <laughs> Will we just decide that the, the semi-finals four biggest clubs should just play the semi-finals? What is it they're suggesting? Well, Lawrence, I think uh, it flies against the frustrations that we often have with the Champions League, for example, where it, it, you know it's a misnomer. It's not even a Champions League because back in the day, every team in the in the in the competition that was competing were champions, and that's no longer the case. So it has to be on merit. So I totally I totally agree with you. The other thing, I'm going to come to you, Liam. You were speaking about how Inverness are a great, a great you know, success story, if you think about it, going back to the, the amalgamation um, and everything that's happened since then. They, they uh, became a staple part of the top division for many years. Uh, obviously, they, they beat us a couple of times in the Cups, which was nice on that journey. Um, and as you say, they have had success under John Hughes in the Cup final. One thing that I'm pretty critical about when it comes to other Scottish clubs is their failure to capitalise often on the opportunity to make them even more financially secure. And I think we've been talking about it all the way through this season with regards to the ticketing situation. Um, Lawrence and I hold different views on that, which is fine. But I just think that there are some situations where a a club like Falkirk, a club like Inverness, they're going to be getting so much traffic coming to you know, their websites, through their ticket office, etc. And it's all about them capitalising on it, Liam, so that they can build Mm. on that as well. Because like James is saying, you know, getting to Hamden... Um, the ticket allocation, the interest, the momentum that starts to swing your way. Uh, these two clubs haven't really had that for a while. I know that Inverness were kind of struggling financially earlier on this year. Falkirk, yeah. you, you know, they dropped to a division. I always remember Falkirk being a Premier League football club, dropped down to divisions that don't even have a, a youth setup. That was one of the things they were famed for, Liam. So I think it's good, but the, the clubs that are there, Inverness and Falkirk, they need to capitalise on it. Yeah, and um, I really hope that um, they are. In one sense, they are playing each other, so one of them is going to get to the cup final, which is a showpiece event shown around the world. You know that that's great for the profile of that club. Unfortunately, 
financially, it would probably have worked out better for them both if one would have played Celtic and one would have played Rangers in in the um, in the semis. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, that is probably what the the press, the sponsors, the TV companies all wanted, which is why you're getting this manufactured. Um, negative narrative about the the two Diddy teams making the the semi-final and playing each other um because what they wanted their and their words not mine they wanted their old firm final and now they're not going to get it and they're they're throwing the toys at the pram but to go back to your point um i think that uh what's really important for me is that both teams can take advantage of this opportunity to raise their profile because the game's going to be on the telly let's have a good game let's have an entertaining game and let's have one where neutrals can watch it and come away thinking do you know what that that's that was a good game that's two teams that would add something to the top flight if they got in there or if we expanded the top flight which you know i think we all agree Playing each other, playing each other four times a season is 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 very very tedious. Um, we really do need an expanded top flight, and you know go 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 for the English setup, play each other twice. Um, you know that is the way it is in Japan. That's the way it is in most normal leagues where TV does not dictate the fixture list. Mm-hmm. You know, but they're they're so desperate to get the four fixtures between Celtic and Rangers, Liam. You know, that's almost the be-all and end-all. And uh, we'll come back to that, by the way, in relation Mm. to some of the comments that I've been reading this week from former Scottish managers, which I find quite interesting. Um, I've given the three guys a wee teaser in relation to Scott Brown, who indeed lifted the Scottish Cup six times for Celtic. He's been in a press conference this afternoon. Uh, Our very own Declan McConville and Colin Water in that presser and um, I, I really don't know what I would ask him as my first and only question. Uh, I'd need to have a think about that, but the three guys are also having a think. Uh, but before we come to you and ask you the question, here's some comments coming in. Xander Mack, 50 years supporting the hoops today. Nice one, Xander. I've got a question for you, and I hope that I'm, I, I see your response because the, the comments are coming in pretty thick and fast. Is this, or where does this team rank? in the greatest Celtic team that you've seen. I've seen a lot of chat on social media, uh, people who were born in the, the 70s, for example, saying this is the best Celtic side they've seen. Where does it rank, in your view, Xander Mack? It would be interesting to hear your thoughts. Um, Davey is coming in, Davey O'Raw, Harold Shamrock, CSE. Great to have you on board and commenting on the, the stream. Michael McDonald, if by implosion you mean sack the manager and win sweet FA, then yes, yes, and thrice yes. A treble, yes. Um, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by the implosion uh, as we go through. And Martin O'Neill comes in afternoon axomniacs. I like that. Um, yes, we're all axomniacs. We'll start with you, James, uh, because you're next to me on the screen, but also you're the youngest in the axom team. Um, you're sitting there in a press conference with Bruni. What do you ask him? He's had such a long career at Celtic. He's won. If I think I saw a start when he retired that was if Scott Brown was a football team he would be the third most successful team in Scotland. He's had such a storied career to try and pick out one question around that is hard but I'd have to go the the Juf moment is the most one of his most iconic moments after that what inspired that is it was that heat of the moment thing, the celebration when he scores he scores a brilliant goal by the way. That's often overshadowed by the celebration it was a brilliant goal he scored before it good point I'd ask him what what inspired that celebration was it just heat the moment or did you have that that planned yeah that that would be a good and by the way I did have a theory on that which might or might not be um, something that that Bruni was uh, aware of but remember when Duth was at uh, Liverpool and he spat on a Celtic fan remember that Um, it was a guy called Chiavone that he, that he spat on. And the only reason I know that is because I think that case went to court. But anyway, I remember reading that the Celtic fan's name, it might have been Dominic Schiavone, right? Um, which is, you know, believe it or not, that's a, it's a name that's associated with uh, a few families in Kirkcaldy in Fife. And obviously Bruni's a, a Fifer as well. But uh, Schiavone's, I think it was his uncle or a cousin, actually was with Celtic. If you look at the 1980s team groups, there is a player called Dominic Schiavone. He was related, even though the wiki says he wasn't, he was related to uh, the ex-Celtic player of the same name. 
And I just wondered if uh, Bruni knew the family and he thought, I'm going to get it right up. You have a score this goal. <laughs> I would maybe ask him that. Lawrence, you can ask Scott Brown a question. What would it be? Just uh, the catch is up with Kevin Thompson. Exactly how much does he rub it in about their signing decisions? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he does. And what yeah, about yourself? Brown was about all bound for Ibrox, according to the papers, wasn't he? And, and the, 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 the hordes. And the support. They were singing his name, Lawrence. Let's not let them forget that. They were singing Bruni's name, weren't they? Um, yeah. Liam? Um, well, I would ask him, uh, you know, there was no better wind-up merchant on the park in recent times than Scott Brown. So I would actually flip it around and ask him, who was the player that used to wind him up the most when he played against them? Mm, I bet there's good. a good story in there somewhere. Yeah, very, very good. Something he certainly wouldn't allow any of us to know at the time, but uh, maybe looking back, he would admit it. Um, I'm really interested with what he's done with his hair. I think it looks great since he's become a manager. He's let it go in. It's fantastic. Paddy Lavery, uh, Declan Lee, again, he will be back with us, Paddy, on Thursday. You can see him on Thursday. He's going to join JP and I, which was his original day, in actual fact. And uh, before we move on to other matters, Pete McGee, ask you first, James, who would you prefer to meet in the final? Should we get there? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Who would I prefer to meet? I've got... I went to Falkland Games when I was really, really young because I had free tickets. This was... I it was our last season of the Premiership. I got along to a few. But I've also got family up in Inverness as well. So I don't really know who I'd rather face. I think... Falkirk being the League One side, you'd probably choose them because you think it would be an easier game. I'd, I'd probably go Falkirk. Falkirk, what about yourself, Lawrence? As long as we're there, mate. As long as we're, we're there, I'm not bothered either way. Maybe Falkirk. I think they bring a bigger crowd. I think they've got you know capacity. And remember the old Brockville, there were some cracking games there. There was five four games. So maybe a bit of nostalgia. I think back then. I don't think it'd be five four if we got them in the final though. But, uh, Unless yeah. it goes to penalties. Yeah. And uh, just to be there, know. mate. Just to yeah. get there, the next thing, isn't it? Liam, what about yourself? Who would you rather? Well, I'm on record as being, you know, Cali's a team I've got a lot of time for, so I would like to see them get to a final. Um, so I, I'd, I'd go for Cali. Fair play. I'm going to stick with James here. I'm going to say Falkirk. Um, and I think it's just down to the fact that it's been a while since we played them. I like uh, a new and fresh fixture. But um, let's remember what Lauren says. Uh, a wee um, hint of caution. Should we get there? Uh, of course, that that is the big <laughs> one. Thanks, everybody, yesterday who subscribed to the channel, who, ha who weren't subscribing before. They're in the draw to win this retro Shamrock Adidas kit. Who saw the Air United kit the other night, by the way? that they were wearing against Falk. It was like modelled on the, the classic, you know, the Spurs jersey that was Hummel and they had the Holston. I know you're into your jerseys, Liam. They had the Holston. What was that? The, the yellow, the kind of golden yellow one? They had a white, it was a white home top uh, Spurs back in the day and they actually mm. played a testimonial for Ozzy Ardilis and Maradona guested for Spurs and there's a famous picture of Maradona wearing this Hummel jersey. It's an All absolute right. classic. And the Air United one is modelled on that jersey. It looks pretty class, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there is a story, obviously, around Hummel and their dealings with a Scottish football club uh, that didn't end well. <laughs> um, but we'll not get into that just now. Keith Oakden, as always, hello, all from Plymouth. Why on the tagline do we have the success of Andy Siders about to cause an implosion? Why would we care what it does to everybody else? Well, all I'm reading at the minute, Lawrence, is... A narrative, and we shouldn't really be surprised. Kenny Miller, remember him? The man who played for 10 clubs, including Celtic. I'm going to ask you, James, how many games did he play for Celtic? Take a guess, take a stab at it. Yes. Was it above 50, do you think? It's More than 50? Just a bit before, Matt. I'm going to say under 50 if we're doing uh, that. Under 50. What about yourself, Liam? Without checking, what do you I'd reckon? I'd say about 75. Lawrence? 
I would I'd go about 33. Mostly from the bench. I think Zaravsky started, didn't he? In stadium. Part of the reason he left. 38. 38 games. I think we got a right good price for him, actually, when we sold him to Derby. Um, here's a wee quote. I, I'm going to read it out to you in full, and then I want to talk about it a wee bit, right? Because this is Scottish punditry, um, as we have it mm. at the moment. Celtic have developed and created a, a very exciting football team um, who, yeah, you know, I, I've said before, I've said that I think that if we go this way and we continue with this trajectory, then we're in a period of domination. Some have corrected me and says, yeah, there was only one blip in that period of domination. I get it, but I think we've reset, we've refreshed. Here's the quote. Rangers had the chance to keep their foot on Celtic's neck after 55 they took it off. That's the quote, and I can see Liam, you're dying to get in on this one, right? So the first part, the first part of that, why is it relevant to Celtic? Well, you know what, they're, they're talking nonsense about Celtic, and we've got to take them to task, right? First of all, 55, come on, come on, let, let's make it accurate, let's make it accurate. Um, what chance did they have? I can see you're, you're absolutely teeming to get involved in this, Liam. What chance did they have, right, to keep their foot on Celtic's neck. Um, they couldn't keep their own manager at the club. Um, there was no way, even if they had done, despite what some others have said, they would overcome uh, Ange last season, Ange and his team last season. And how can they decide to keep their foot on Celtic's neck without any kind of finance behind them? I'm going to come to you first, Liam. Uh, because I think you're dying to get involved in this one. I, I read that during the week, and I, I'm just thinking it's like the level of punditry in Scotland used to be absolutely superb. See, when you're doing archive research, you're reading through some of the great journalists in Scottish media back in the day. They were, they were a sight to behold, and now we're dealing with this. This is like uh, you know a fan uh, on a really, really bad fan platform. This is the kind of stuff I would expect. This is in the mainstream, Liam. What do you make yeah. it? You know, if um, and it would never happen because I've, I don't have the right sounding name. But if I was ever elevated to a position where I was able to give a lecture at a university on media and media bias, I would actually use that as a textbook example of everything that is wrong with Scottish sports media, especially in their coverage of Rangers. One, you've got the lie, the fifty-five false narrative, right? It's no one. Right. Two, do you have the implied violence, foot on the throat? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why does it have to be such a violent, aggressive visage? There's, there's no need for that. It's just, it's just baiting, baiting the worst elements um, of football fans in general, but particularly Rangers fans. Um, and then you have the completely unrealistic take of, uh, you know, Rangers had the chance to pull away. Um, and, uh, you know, there is no evidence whatsoever to back it up. And this is a recurring problem. It's the same as all that nonsense David Martindale came out with a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You know, nobody actually said to him, look, do you actually have any even second-hand evidence to back up what you're saying? You know, it's the same with people like Kenny Miller get a platform to sit there simply because he used to wear a he used to wear a Rangers top. He gets to sit there and say this, 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 and no one says, um, do you actually have any evidence to back that up? Because he doesn't. He doesn't. You know, I mean, in any other line of work, if you, you know, if I was just as for example, if I was working in the police, for example, right? If I said, right. I think that guy's a murderer. Um, the judge would then say, "Okay, where's your evidence?" You know, <laughs> if I say, um, uh, "Right, here's here's what I think our business strategy should be for the next year," they'd say, "All right, how's that going to work? Show us your evidence." Nobody says to any of these halfwits in the media, um, "Can you actually prove any of this nonsense you're spouting?" And it really, really annoys me because I know a lot of good writers who, like myself, have just got sick of the the kind of closed shop nature of Scottish journalism and decided to make you know made the choice to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I basically I moved to Japan after I quit being a journalist. Cut a long story short, 
um, because studying journalism at university for four years made me realise I do not want to be a journalist. I do not want to be around these kind of people because it's just not it's not a healthy atmosphere. And they are lying on a daily basis. They know they are lying. They are actively encouraging others to lie. And they pander to this tiny minority who, excuse my language, but if I want a better phrase, would not piss on them if they were on fire. Why does everybody in the Scottish media go to such lengths to suck up to Rangers when Rangers fans, Rangers board, Rangers management hold them in nothing but contempt? Yeah, what do they gain from it? <laughs> no, you're right. You talk about the contempt. Even just in recent times, we all know about the BBC being banned um, from getting interviews, etc. Press well, don't get me started on them this week. I know. <laughs> Um, I've got some great footage. I've got some great footage of Gary Lineker at Celtic Park, by the way. I should really put it up on the socials. Um, and also, you, on the top of that, you've got the bounty that the media were asked to pay just to attend Ibrox press conferences, etc. Um, and then you do ask yourself, what, why are they currying favour? Um, and the thing, thing with the comments, like Liam says, Lawrence, and I'll come over to yourself, they're baseless. That there's, there's nothing at all in there that you think, right, how do you back it up? But what it actually does do is it does appeal to a certain audience, i.e. Rangers fans, who often just believe this, right? And in itself, that's pretty dangerous because what I'm saying is um, the success of Celtic at this moment in time under Ange is about to cause an implosion. There are small pockets of the fan base coming out and saying that you know they're unhappy, but it's always going to be too late. It was too late the last time before they realised what was wrong. A big part of that is the media. I, I, I listen to mainstream shows uh, sometimes when I'm going home and I think to myself, he's missing the point. Oh, the gap's not that big. They're just looking at a league table and saying, oh, nine points. The gap between the two football clubs is not that big. It's absolutely huge. It's a massive gap. And I'm not just talking about the nine points, obviously. What do you make of it, Lawrence? Is it just uh, what you would expect? They write like that because they're, they're kind of writing from the heart. The fans, the Rangers fans, that's why they write like that. It, it's completely detached from the reality. You know, when, when Fergus came in and built a stadium with 10,000 more seats, the competitive advantage and structural advantage that that's given us has never been bridged. I think they added, you know, about they reduced it to 5,000 extra seats. They're never going to catch that up. <laughs> you, you know, there's a structural advantage season on season with Celtic. Not to even go into how the two clubs are run, you know, and we make the best of a structural advantage and they just... I mean, yeah, you touched on Hummel. I mean, I don't think that case is finished. Is that not the first case that's finished? The Hummel case is still to come to court. So there's facts out there that give us a structural advantage financially. And whether we like or not, in football, generally, the team with the bigger financial muscle will win more often. And they seem to be absolutely unable to admit this or to grasp the reality of it you can understand that when it's to do with the Champions League that's terrible it's just the big clubs with the most money doing it they come to Scotland Celtic get the most money what do you think is going to happen you know it's just some really basic facts that they seem to be unable to admit to themselves because they can't admit that Celtic's the bigger and better club than their own pet club why they, they, they get right dribble like that who knows mate I'm surprised they get paid for it mm. you know it's it, it bears no semblance to, to what's going on in, in the football world. We, you know, we've touched on it a few weeks ago. You know, it's about standards. For us, I think we are looking at, you know, we need two trophies a season as our minimum. And they, you know, I think if we get one every few seasons, they're probably doing well just now. Just that they're, they're that badly run. You know? uh, so the journalists... It's easy for them. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it's getting fed out of Ibrox. We know, we know that's happened in the past. Ibrox feeding the media stories here. Mm-hmm. Print this story or story along these lines. Yeah. But, yeah, they've learned nothing, you know. Someone who won't le- learn from the past, what is it to say, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, it looks like it will happen again. But it all goes back to Fergus giving us a huge financial advantage. You know, at the time it was like five million a season when, yeah, I think our, our dearest player was only a couple of millions at, at, at that time. So uh, until they overcome that stru- structural advantage or draw level with us on that and then start running a football club properly, they really have no chance. 
No, but I mean, Fergus was a visionary, you know, and, and yeah. more and more people are coming to that way of thinking because obviously he had his critics at the time, but he, he certainly was a visionary. He's building a 60,000 capacity stadium where our average attendance was uh, not even half of that. It was it was incredible, the vision that that man had. But um, the one thing, James, that uh, we certainly have in our corner is someone like Andrew comes out and sets the narrative. You know, he says, no, we are the biggest team. We do have the biggest fan base. Um, and, you know, we've got the most honours because at this moment in time, if you want to talk about uh, success and, you know, quadruple treble, still scary to think back that, you know, for four seasons, we want everything that Scottish football had to offer. You basically completed football, right? Scottish football. And then one season, one blip, and then all of a sudden, Kenny Miller reckons they could have put their, they could have put their foot in our throat. That's a nonsense, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. If it was any other club other than Rangers, a club that was run by someone with, a couple, a couple more brain cells. Then, perhaps <laughs> a gap, a gap, a gap could have been made up. But when you are, their clubs been come to the end of a cycle with this squad that they've got for maybe two years now. Celtic's team, the cycle weed, the team was coming to the end of a cycle in that ten or all season, and completely ripped up the book and put basically a brand new team out there. And Celtic have been completely transformed. Whereas, again, the other side, the Glasgow, they're assets are running down their contracts they're probably their most prized asset is going the free transfer at the Spanish League mm-hmm. whilst we got rid of our prized assets with some decent valued bids we got Edward away for what 18 million Iron for 15 when we came to the end of the cycle we got rid of the players and we got good money for them their players are going on freeze to the, the, the Spanish League so this just shows the, the contrast with how the clubs are run and when your club's run by amateurs, it's it's never really going to go anywhere. It'll be very hard to make up the real gap that's here now. And it's Celtic are really far ahead. Yeah, for for sure. It's not just the nine points you see in the league table. And Robert Highland would think that Falkirk would bring more of a crowd. Um, it's good to look ahead to the Scottish Cup final, the showpiece of Scottish football. And we'll come back to some of these comments. I don't want to labour it. We've spoken about Kenny Miller's comments. Um, third force in Scottish football, Liam. They've got ambitions to uh, win the league. I've had mm. Celtic have played them twice, once at home, once away in the last week or so. Uh, what did you make of the third force, Liam? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, it's not going to be this season, is it? <laughs> no, um, look, the, I mean, particularly the first game at Celtic Park, they, they, you know, they gave us a game. It, it, was a, it was a good competitive game, a game in which we were vastly superior, ultimately. Um, but then, I think I think Robbie Nielsen pro- poked the. Uh, I don't want to say poked the bear because that's probably the wrong phrase. But um, he he said some things he shouldn't have after that game, talking about decapitations and all this kind of nonsense. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess uh, you know Celtic were a wee bit annoyed by that. I mean, out and did an absolute number on them uh, in the cup game, um, just to uh, just to prove a point. Um, and just on a wee side note, just to go back to something we were talking about a minute ago. Um, anyone else think it's a wee bit strange that uh, Morton the Baker's files for bankruptcy in the same week that Morelos announces he's leaving Rangers? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Listen, that is a good point. Not one that I had considered, Liam. Well done. You've joined the dots. Lawrence, before I come to you on the, the third force in Scottish football, how is the dog? Is he away doing a shift for you? He's all right, mate. He's just waiting for the front door, waiting for it to get chapped. Ah, and then it, it goes banzai. Um, we, we had a lot of chat, and actually Liam brings up another point, um, because you've already mentioned Martindale. The comments of people like David Martindale and Robbie Nielsen, for example, where and, and obviously Michael Beale has been guilty of that this season, where there's no respect when they're talking about Celtic whatsoever. Lawrence, and I don't know, you know, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, we're entitled to this or that. But if you don't, you know, respect your opponent 
at the very, very least, then you know the, the chances are Celtic will absolutely dismantle you. And, uh, you know, the, the way that Nielsen comes across when talking about Celtic and the language he used, going back to another point Liam used with that, you know, decapitation, um, you know, it would fit them better, if you ask me, Lawrence, to concentrate on what they've got at their disposal and improving on that rather than almost kind of like looking down the nose at Celtic or just basically put it down to budget and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the language used by Robbie Nielsen, I felt, was completely disrespectful. But as Liam says, we got it right up them in the second game. What was your take on the, the third force of Scottish football? Uh, uh, listen, they, they always give us a fairly decent game. And for the managers come out and making comments, I think it's because they've taken stock of where their team is and know they've got absolutely no chance and need to do something to try and upset us and wind us up. Because if they leave it to the, the two teams in the park, they know what's going to happen. So I think the managers are out there trying to get a wee bit of influence in the refs, hopefully try to upset things at Celtic, but well, I'm just too smart for them. He's going to just prepare the team as normal. He knows what what it takes to put a winning team in the park. They're trying to get a, bit, a wee bit of advantage. They end up looking foolish more often than not. Mm-hmm. You know? So if they want to keep making comments like that and their team getting spanked on the park... You know, it's up to them. Long may it continue. Yeah. O- over the, the piece, uh, James, most people in Axom have been given some kind of uh, nickname. Uh, people find doppelgangers from all over the globe. And you're now being called Baby Jota. But I think that's got <laughs> more to do with your... Because the, the mullet, I think. <laughs> I think it's the mullet. I think it's the mullet. Uh, yeah. You are now I, I Baby Jota. I thought or something. That, 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 that. It's probably good to be called a baby shot. He's a handsome guy. He is a handsome guy. Could be worse. It's better than Leanne Dempster, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Mate, there's a whole list. There is a whole list. Uh, What was the one yesterday? Oh, David Dickinson. The referee, not the auctioneer. Not the auctioneer. Um, what do you make of it, James? Because I know you're a student of Scottish football. You cover um, you know, the game and you keep a keen eye on, on the developments of all the all the clubs, not just in the top division either. Um, but there has been this suggestion that you know they've got this ambition. Uh, by the way, I welcome that. I think that the Edinburgh clubs um, have underperformed for many, many years. And if they want to, you know, have a strategy in place over a period of time where they can become a challenger, then great, fantastic, completely welcome that. But when you actually see it, you know, uh, over a period of two games, one at home, one away, they're no. I don't think they they have got it uh, at the moment. I mean, were you impressed by them? Uh, they they brought the game to us um, during the midweek game. They had they've brought the game to us quite a few times under Ange, obviously, and just first game in charge. They, they, they beat us and they've brought it to us quite a few times but I thought as soon as you concede that first goal two minutes into the game what chance have you got it's already an uphill battle when you're facing the best team in the country with the quality of players we've got you're just making it you've turned it from Demayat to Everest it's it just becomes even more difficult than it was before but I think the only thing that was more enjoyable than beating Hearts was the Robbie Nielsen tears after after the game during the week he, he's always got an excuse Mm-hmm. He's always got something. Every time his team loses, there's always got to be something. There's got to be a referee have a go at, or a decision's gone wrong, or just or make a comment about the finances involved between the two clubs. He can never just accept a defeat. And it's just, he, he is a bit of a wind-up merchant, and he's clearly, he's clearly got me. Well, the thing is, like you say, it does feel like it's, you know... Sure grapes, as they would say. Uh, Demayat to Everest, I like that. For all the people that are tuning in from all over the world, they'll be typing in Demayat. Uh, there, there is a, there is a thing for these managers. You know, you know, in any walk of life, you should be kind of, you should be modelling excellence. Mm-hmm. Who's the best manager in Scotland? The Miles. Look at how he conducts his cell. Yeah. Here's a hint to the managers. Look what that guy does. Look how successful he is. Maybe give it a go. Remember uh, Lee Johnson at Hibs came out and said, if I was a player in that Hibs dressing room, I think we'd just dropped them 6-0, was it? Did they get a goal that day? Maybe 6-1. And they were saying, you know, I'd be in there trying to figure out what it is the Japanese imports are doing day-to-day, what they're doing with their conditioning, what they're doing with their diet, how are they so so sharp, how are their energy levels so high? And I thought, he's a guy that comes out and respects uh, the opposition. The guys we've been mentioning um, absolutely do not. Uh, but again, McInnes is another one. 
he's never got a good word to say about Celtic fair play because obviously um, you know his deficiencies have been shown up in the Scottish Cup uh, campaign anyway but rampant Lions teams like Falkirk and Dunfermline have a far bigger support than Livingston Hopefully they can both get back up. Last time it was 37,200 for the Falkirk v Inverness Cali Thistle Cup final in 2015. I think the key is to capitalise on it. And what I don't, I don't mean as in capitalism. I mean, you know, make sure that the people that buy the tickets for these smaller, more provincial clubs um, are recorded and documented so that, you know, we can the clubs can then build on that and harvest a relationship and build a season ticket base and build up their own home attendances. I want to talk a wee bit about the good stuff. Kyogo Furuhashi, I remember the day he signed I was in Glasgow, Colin was presenting the show and um, at that time, most Celtic fans, Liam, most Celtic fans didn't know much about Kyogo um, and he's now hit 26 I think, you know, barring a disaster he's going to hit over 30 goals and there's been chat during the week, Liam, I'm going to come to you. You are the resident um, specialist and expert on this subject. I actually do uh, think that in recent times he, he is one of the finest. He's been spoken of in the same kind of tones this week as uh, Dembele and Eduard. Where do you rate him? Um, in all honesty, and this is going to sound like a, you know, a bit of hyperbole, but... I think in terms of attacking players at Celtic that I have seen in the flesh, he's second only to Henrik Larsson. Um, I think he's... Now, different type of player, but he's on a par with the likes of John Hartson, Chris Sutton. Um, in terms of his effectiveness, uh, I think only Henrik Larsson was consistently better over an extended period than Kyogo is at the moment. It's, bold. it's a bold statement, but I'll tell you what, it shows you how highly you you regard the player and you've spoken so highly of him since he came to the club. Lawrence, um, we've seen some fantastic strikers at Celtic Football Club. Back in the day, we used to be able to produce them. Um, not so much now, but we have imported someone here who is a real fan's favourite, but it seems as though in terms of uh, what he brings to the squad, not just on the park, but he seems like a really popular member of the squad. Um, and I just, I just think that Almost other than within Axom and, and, and Celtic fans and Celtic as a football club, it almost goes under the radar. You know, you don't see much more about Kyogo uh, and, and the you know online news sources of Scottish football. The guy is a phenomenon and he's been outrageously good since he signed for Celtic. He's going to smash that 30 goal barrier, no doubt about that. Where do you rate him, though, Liam? Uh, Lawrence, rather. In terms of strikers, obviously you've got Larson, Douglas, Lennox. We've seen he's got to be in the top ten that I've seen. I think his best years are still ahead of him, which is probably more frightening for the rest of the league. I think Europe next next season will be the, the real testing ground for him. But I, I think he's definitely in the top ten. Is he in the top five? Maybe, but. Listen, this boy's got seasons ahead of him with us. And I, I think if he, he turns it on the Champions League next year, it takes him up a level, doesn't it? Well, see, that's the thing, right? So this season, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of chat about the fact that he didn't get on the score sheet, James, in the Champions League. People then automatically say he's no Champions League standard, etc. Don't really subscribe to that. I think that this season was all about acclimatisation for the team, for Ange. Ange had never managed in the Champions League you know he did a qualifier last last season um, and guys like O'Reilly and uh, Kyogo and, and various others Carter Vickers obviously was injured for the games uh, mostly uh, for them to then get used to that level that standard the pace what's expected of you and next season I think we can judge Kyogo at that level what, what's your take on that? Yeah it would have been hard for Celtic to take to the Champions League like a duck to water after a four or five year absence from the Champions League and when you can spend the majority of the squad apart from maybe Cal McGregor and Joe Hart or a few others I might be missing it was their first time playing in the Champions League and I thought Kyogo he, he can definitely do it in Europe he saw it in the, the Europa League in Andrew's first season it was it was really good he got a good few goals then so I, I want to see him get a real run at the Champions League so then we can really hold him up to the other strikers I think 
he's probably on the level with Edward for me as far as the strikers I've seen. I rate Moussa Dembele very highly. He's a different class than Edward and Kyogo. But I'd probably rank him around there where I consider sort of modern-day Celtic forwards. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting discussion. Red Scotland comes in talking about uh, this being the best Celtic team, obviously, in the, in the last period. Martin got to a UEFA Cup final. Gordon got to the last 16 twice consecutively. Unbelievable. Uh, Ange has been served by Bodo Glimt. Thus far, mm. we trail those other two sides if results are the measure. Do you agree with that, Liam? It's a wee bit harsh. Um, you know, with the greatest of respect to... Martin O'Neill and Gordon Strachan's past achievements, which were phenomenal. Um, it is significantly more difficult to make any kind of progress in the Champions League now than it was then. Uh, the financial gap has just increased exponentially. Um, you do have a cabal now of those five big European leagues, and it is very, very difficult for any team outside of that. And not just Celtic, it's the same for Ajax, it's the same for Benfica, it's the same for Porto. Um, it's the same, you know, it's the same for a lot of these historically big... I mean, when was the last time we had a really good Eastern European team do some damage in the Champions League? You know, I remember, like, Dinamo Kiev getting to the, 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 the quarterfinals when Shevchenko was there. I remember... Mm. Dinamo was it not Dinamo, still Bucharest won won it back in the eighties, right? Yeah. Doesn't happen anymore because those are now confined to being footballing backwaters because of the financial gulf. And uh, unfortunately, Scotland's kind of in the same boat. I mean, at the end of the day, the only reason, and it's you know, it sh we shouldn't underestimate what Celtic have achieved in the last eighteen months, but. The only reason we're getting this automatic Champions League is because of what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. You know, if if the Russian teams were still doing their thing um, and, you know, everything was going along as normal, Scotland would struggle in that top 10 coefficient and we would not be guaranteed that Champions League place, which I think is ridiculous. The idea that the third place team in any league gets in ahead of the champions of another league is just utterly confounding to me um, and to be honest although I think motivations so far for a European Super League have been primarily based on greed the idea of a breakaway league that involved like the 40 or 50 clubs that was being mooted a couple of weeks ago might actually be the proverbial rocket up the backside that UEFA needs to get the finger out and actually start redistributing some of this wealth mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah and hopefully that does happen uh, Liam I mean Stephen Mullen, miles away from being the best Celtic team. I'd agree with that. Uh, in my lifetime... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I tend to agree with regards to let's have a look at Europe next year. Let's have a look at how we um, compete in the European competitions. It's definitely up there in terms of the entertainment value, the way that we're actually approaching the games, the way that we're dismantling teams. Um, we're playing it with a style um, and a tempo that is definitely right up there. I've said before, I loved Tommy's team. I loved it, absolutely. But we never had a decent goalie and we drew too many games and we didn't have that, that back line as solid as it should have been. Um, and I think Ange has, has got that wee bit on him. And of course, he's winning more trophies as well. Kevin Mullen. Hail, hail, Axom. I'm 40 now. This is fast becoming my favourite Hoops team to watch. Long may it continue. And Ange, we trust 100%. Here's a wee question that we could have asked Bruni today. Are you preparing in your career to manage Celtic one day? Um, I think he'll definitely come back up to Scotland. I've seen a, I mean, I've seen a couple of jobs coming up, and I'm thinking, would he be interested in that? It's maybe too early at this moment in time. He's doing really well down there, and I think uh, if you're like me, you keep an eye on the ex-Celts, and hopefully that continues. You've not had a chance, Lawrence, to talk about that penalty shout, uh, Johnson versus Halliday. Um, what's your take on it? No surprise, mate. You know, let's be honest. You know, it's a stick on pen, but VAR doesn't see it or, or, or they don't review it. 
more of the same from VAR, isn't it? Uh, from the, the, the referees. We've had them given against us. It's just it's just ridiculous, but it's what we expect from, from Scottish refs. And whether it's unconscious bias or not, it's definitely displaying bias. And at some point, you know, the ASFA and the media should be part of this. They need to address what exactly is going on with penalty decisions for and against one club compared to the other. And it's it's just ridiculous. Why would they keep uh, denying there's a problem? Maybe it's because they're okay with it. I don't know. But they'll, they'll never progress and probably the, the league will be held back because of it as well. But yeah, it gets back to the media. I should be calling this out and saying, look, this is an absolute joke. Uh, but I don't seem to have a problem. Oh, I got the ball away anyway, so it's okay that he hammers into him. No, that's, that's not really in the rules. It's, it's it a goes back to the original point we discussed in relation to that quality of the media output, Lawrence, how many are actually prepared to put their neck on the line here and say that there is an issue? Because I'm not reading that um, you know, with any kind of regularity. And then you read that kind of nonsense from Kenny Miller and there's more to come from Craig Levine before the end of the show. With regards to that, um, Liam, that is my one concern. We've been talking about trebles. There's nothing wrong with mm. that. We're football fans. We support Celtic. We can talk about it. We can dream. We trust that Ange and the players will be well prepared. Of course they will be. So we can dream a wee bit and we can talk about the final before we're there and all that kind of stuff. But my one real source of concern is this. You know, if it's nothing each and that is a moment in a game, be it for us or against us, you know, you, you, you worry about that, don't you? Yeah, that's why, you know, I think look, my my biggest concern for the remainder of the season is the the Cup semi and Cup final. Because you better believe that Cup semi-final, if Rangers can even get the ball into that penalty area, it's going to be penalty, you know. Any any kind of semblance of an opportunity to, to give that, um, to give decisions against us in that game is going to be taken. But, you know, as we showed in the final couple of weeks ago, um, you have to actually get the ball into Celtic's penalty area before you can win a penalty. So um, as long as we can dominate them to the extent we did there, I think we'll be fine. But I do have that. It, and it, and it's wrong because that should not be a concern. You go into any football match as a fan, your, pri your primary concern should be, are we good enough to beat the opposition? Mm -hmm. But that is the and concern. Because the refs are the opposition, mate. Well, that's the problem. That's the thing. Now, it's not. It's not just about are we going to beat the team that's in front of us. It's are we going to beat them by enough goals that the various dodgy refereeing decisions aren't going to factor into it. Um, and that shouldn't be the way it is. But that's just the norm now. It's just the norm. I mean, it's become a running joke. I was looking at a thing the other day, and it was Scottish Football Archive or something. And it was some classic, you'll, you'll love this, some classic like 1970s, early 80s sort of commentary, Scott Sport. And it was Arthur Montford doing his thing. And the ball is getting pinballed around the six-yard box before it eventually gets kicked away, you know. And uh, the captain said, so what do we call this in Scottish football? And, of course, everybody's thinking, you know, Stramash, that was the classic word, right? But almost every reply was penalty Rangers, penalty Rangers, penalty Rangers. <laughs> Because it's just even amongst fans of other clubs, it's become such a running joke now that they just you know they're going to get a penalty at some point, you know. Yeah, I know, and it just doesn't stack up. We're all data driven these days, and I love the stats and I love the figures and the data. Um, what would the data be in relation to the time spent in a penalty area? The percentage of that time, you know, penalties that you would actually gain. What would be the average uh, across Scottish football? And where the Rangers sit in relation to that? Because you just know the trend would be an anomaly, you know, both in Scottish football, probably in European football and world football, that, you know, you would not get that amount of penalties, you would not concede that few penalties if there was a formula attached to it. Absolutely not. It would be a, a blinding um, anomaly in the matrix and even then it would be denied as a conspiracy. So, Kay Matsu, I've never cared much for how many trophies a team wins. I care about how much enjoyment I derive from watching them play. One moment of beauty, Lord on that standard, this is a damn fine team. I get that when it's other teams and other leagues, you just want to enjoy the game, and I'm not too first who wins the English league. But when it comes to Celtic, James, it's all about winning. Yeah, it's all about... So it's, that's the culture at Celtic. And, and just restored that ever since he came in, but 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't mean to sort of put the current team down, but I feel like everybody's so caught up in the moment. This is the current team that we have. We think we are the best. Kyogo's the best striker we've had since Larson, so on and so forth. I'm sure people thought the same thing when the then we had the Invincible team under Brendan Rodgers. I'm sure many thought, this is the best team I've seen in my lifetime. I think a lot of people are getting caught up in the, the moment with this team, maybe overrating the team a little bit, but why wouldn't you love in the moment? We're playing some phenomenal football at the moment and well, a long way to continue. But I, I just had to make that point. I don't need to put a downer on the team, but <laughs> I had to get that point. Nicola. No, but the thing that you're saying there, James, you only need to go back to last season. Yakamaka is fully confident scoring goals. He gets interviewed. He says, we are the best team. We are, you know, and, and there's so much caution amongst a lot of our fan base. We're like, oh, I don't like hearing that. Whereas, yeah. you know, we're sitting here saying, I'm pretty confident. It's, it's almost like it's it's ingrained in us, you know, that we're not allowed to have that state of mind and that mentality. And uh, I get that. I totally get it because it's all about humility in many, many ways, isn't it? And um, I, I did see a lot of comments coming through after Yakimakis made those those remarks. I want to talk a wee bit about Joe Hart. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Liam. He's, he's a guy who, even in the last couple of weeks, the media, who have already discussed certain people, were saying, we need to upgrade our goalie. Um, he goes out there at Tynecastle and he makes one of the finest saves he's made in a Celtic jersey, by the way. I mean, that mm. save down to his bottom left was incredible. Then the reaction to be able to get up and push it uh, behind the, the goal was was sensational. Um, McGregor, Carl McGregor, spoken about the importance that he, is, that he has uh, within this team, not just for the young guys, but for the senior pros as well. He drives them on, Liam. They thanked him at halftime at Tynecastle for, you know, what he actually contributed to that. That's it. one nothing when he makes that that save, isn't it? It's so important to yeah. Celtic. Do you think some of the criticism has been a bit OTT? Yeah, I think it's just when you have a team that are as successful as we are at the moment, it becomes a matter of nitpicking. And, you know, as a former goalkeeper myself, I know that goalkeepers are always an easy target. Um, you know, uh, Henrik Larson, to use the example, right? When I had my season ticket in the early 2000s, there were probably eight to ten games a season where Larson would be anonymous for 70 or 80 minutes. But he would score a hat-trick in the other 10 or 15 minutes, so it wouldn't matter, right? Whereas, flip that with Joe Hart. Joe Hart could make four or five world-class saves, but if he has one clanger, he's a dud. That's that's the problem with being a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I don't think there's a problem with Joe Hart. I think he's an excellent goalkeeper. He showed that at the weekend. I think he's a huge character. Um, you know, England's second most capped goalkeeper of all time, I believe, after Peter Shelton. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, massive character, massive experience, massive leadership qualities. And there's a great, if you can if you can look it up and you don't mind a bit of uh, colourful language, there's a great comparison video online of uh, uh, getting a, Joe Hart getting ready to take a goal kick compared to another goalkeeper. Like, this is what makes Joe Hart special. Wee ball boy gets the ball, and this other goalkeeper's like, oh, here, give me the ball, please. Give me the ball here, please. And gets it very slowly and just kind of casually takes a kick. Joe Hart's like, give me that effing ball! Give me that effing ball right now, right now! And he like, seizes it off the wee boy and immediately takes the kick out. And I was like, do you know what? That kind of drive, that kind of aggression is exactly what you need in a Celtic goalkeeper. Yeah, he um, doesn't I, get he doesn't get the same uh, kind of like speed of return when he's at away grounds. That's for sure. Um, no. <laughs> Michael McDonald, one of my best seasons. This is the, not the Savile season, the Savile oh season. Michael, God, we slipped one now, but great memories of the Savile season. Absolutely, Michael. Yeah, I mean, my eyes are so bad. I didn't see that before it was up. Peter. Oh, Here's the thing as well, actually, Peter King. Griffiths was a great striker. People would say, ah, you know, Griffiths is one of very few Celtic players who have scored four on 40 or more goals in a campaign. And I was just reading last week that he is relaunching his career with a, a deal over in Australia. And uh, let's just hope he gets back to playing football and scoring goals um, as well, because that's what's important for him. Lawrence, Joe Hart, um, people are talking about upgrades. People are looking ahead to the pre-season. This is what we do. As football fans, I'm, I'm pretty happy with Joe Hart. I think he showed at the weekend he's still got that kind of performance in him. So I take it by upgrade, they mean better quality. Uh, 
what would that cost him to keep a better quality than Joe Hart? You know, Liam's touched on his international caps. You know, long-term plan for replacement. I can see we need to have a good keeper in to replace him, but an upgrade. That would uh, that would require some level of keeper and, and probably some finance to bring him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not too sure. You know, it's ambitious to try and get an upgrade than Joe Hart. I know he won't go on forever, and we definitely need to have a plan, you know, for when he goes, but I don't think upgrades maybe the right word where Joe's concerned. You know, his class is undeniable with what he's done in the game, and, and, and he showed it there at Hearts. But to kind of go back to the earlier point, you know, about it's all about winning at Celtic. So I'm going to say it's probably not, and that's why Ange has been so successful. See if it's all about winning. You know, cheat your taxis, get friends off your favours on the refs, do it, whatever it takes to win. That's all, all about winning. Ange is about playing great football every game, creating chances. It's an attacking style that he thinks is the best way to win a football game. You know, so so Ange's combined it. It is about the quality on the part and the quality of performance. It's not about winning, winning at all costs. And I think that's why Ange has been so so successful. He's married the two together. Because it kind of lives with his Celtic fans, doesn't it? You know, that Cavalier style and he talked about Tommy's team or you mean go back to the Centurion team, David Hayes team in the early 80s. You know, they were in a great league at that time with Aberdeen and Dundee United, the Colton mm-hmm. in that league. Mm-hmm. Cracking team. You know, but there was that kind of cavalier fairy tale about the club, as, as Billy McNeil said. And I think, you know, Ange's managed to capture that. He's won in style of football. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's not about winning at all costs, but it is all about winning at Celtic. You've got to win. You know, that, that's... That's how you win is important. Yeah, yeah, it's not at all cost, yeah. but you're right. You're doing it in a certain style um, that you know is often described as the Celtic way. I guess just like back in the day, there was the Liverpool way. And um, when we're looking at goalkeepers and upgrades, and Leon uh, Lawrence makes a great point there, James, in relation to it. Also, um, if you want to look at the two ends of the scale in relation to recruitment and how far we've come, you've just got to look at five million quid for Barkas, one million quid for Hart, and what the the, the, you know, the respective goalkeepers have given us. What's your take on Joe Hart? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Joe Hart. I've got no reason not to be. Just that, that double save against Tarts at the weekend, a perfect example of how good he is. He's just a good shot stopper. People could, might complain, they might say, he's not good in the ball, yada, yada, yada. The last time Celtic went out and bought a goalie with the pure intention of him being good in the ball beside Vasilis Barkas. So if we got the ideal... Fans goalkeeper, it would be him. So I'd say a solid shot stopper. You need that in Europe as well. You don't need a goalie that can play over the back in Europe. You need a shot stopper because Celtic aren't as good as our Real Madrid, and we're ultimately going to be facing loads and loads and loads of chances. So you need that absolute wall in goals that's going to keep them out. And I think Joe Hart, he can he can be just that for us for hopefully a few more years. But I'm just thinking. I don't think we've got a ready-made goalie to replace him here, though. I was hoping it would be Oliver Yemi, but I think we've all seen the absolute clangor he had on his debut in the Irish League. The shot is going straight at me, jumps out of the way. So I'm not sure, too sure who's going to replace him when he eventually does move on. We might buy someone in, but he's he's got a few more years to go, surely. Yeah, I also remember Brennan Rogers bringing in Doris De Vries because he was good with the ball at his feet as well. And uh, he's a goalie that was taken off before half time on one occasion, I think, against Kilmarnock. You remember that? Better off with Doris Day. <laughs> Doris Day, yeah, absolutely. Um, a goalie's job is to save shots. Just buy someone to do that. You don't need them to do anything else. Yeah, I think over the what will be two seasons so far, I think Joe Hart has been a very, very important cog in this machine, the Ange machine. Um, and I think that, you know, who knows what happens after, after this season. But so far, he's had a bit of stick and then he reminds people who are criticising him 
just what he's capable of, and he did that at Tynecastle. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to sit in here for Declan McConville, um, who was talking to Bruni earlier on. He will be joining us. That's Declan, by the way, not Bruni, uh, on Thursday. <laughs> maybe someday we will get Bruni on, or maybe for a live event. Talking of which, if you want to come and see us at Gracie's, we will be there next month with... Alan Thompson, tickets underneath this video. If you want to support Axom, give us a thumbs up on the video on YouTube and subscribe. Also, remember to click the notifications bell because it will tell you every time we're about to go live as well. So thank you all for getting involved in the comment section. Thank you to James, Lawrence and Liam for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.